Tracy Powell. I am the founder and CEO of the Pivot Fund. So what inspired you to start the Pivot Fund? So um, that's a loaded question. I think <laughs> a lot of things. Um, the trajectory of the news, um, news industry, the journalism industry, the contraction of and loss of reporters um, across the country, um, the persistent um, problem of underserved communities across the country um, with you know credible quality information. Um, yeah, I think you know a lot of different reasons probably led me to this place. Um, but also more immediately, I saw where you know you started seeing nonprofit dollars going into supporting journalism. Um, but they were still missing communities of color, um, supporting um, organizations that have never focused on communities of color, who often parachuted into communities of color and produced misleading um, narratives about those communities. Um, organizations that produce news maybe about communities of color, but not for them, that's a huge problem. So we, I wanted to support those outlets that were on the front lines, um, producing news and credible news and information, fact-based information, quality information for and about communities of color. That's what we prioritize at Pivot Fund. But yeah, we, we support um, community-based news outlets. Um, it's our first and best opportunity to rebuild trust with the communities and audiences we serve. And so that's where we start. We start local. So where did your uh, passion for storytelling begin? Oh, I'm a journalist. I've, I've always been a journalist. Even when I was a kid, I wanted to um, be a reporter. I mean, I used to get my little pad and pencil and <laughs> go interview members of my family trying to find out the scoop, right? And so that I could go tell somebody else. My mom laughs about that all the time because I always wanted to share what I knew. I wanted to find out why something happened. I was very, very curious. So I wanted to find out what was happening, why it was happening, um, and, 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 you know, what was it all for? And so I would report it and then I would, you know, tell family and friends and and so, yeah, I've always, I always knew I wanted to be a journalist. I didn't want to be anything else. Um, and of course, you know, once, you know, I got the journalism degree, went to journalism school and all this stuff, but, you know, woke up, you know, really quickly to the fact that it wasn't all communities who were being served, who were finding out about what they needed to learn about, what they needed to know and better to, in order to better navigate, navigate their lives. Um, and so, you know, one thing led to another, I was, you know, a journalist uh, who found her way into philanthropy. And um, so this is the best of both worlds. I get to support um, news organizations that are doing exactly what they're sh they should be doing, um, holding power to account, but also informing their communities. Um, and I get to make sure, you know, people get the scoop. <laughs> <laughs> so far, you've helped uh, a few stations already. Uh, what are the, some of the things you do to help them? So we um, have invested in seven news outlets so far. Um, 
And so they range. There's a TV station in LaGrange. There are a couple of social media-based news outlets who are now, um, one is turning to producing a newsletter and has developed a website. Another is um, developing a, new, a newsletter, but they also already syndicate content to Spanish language radio. Um, so they they really run the gamut. There's a one legacy news outlet that during the pandemic shifted to, to, to becoming digital only and we're so supporting a collaboration with the largest black um, family-owned radio network in the state um, because we understand that black communities often trust DJs more so than they just trust any other information source. So that's an important collaboration to have um, and to support. We wanna meet people where they are, where they are already getting information. We wanna disrupt some of the disinformation out in the atmosphere right now. So yeah, we provide initial capital, capacity building capital so that they can go hire the staff that they need to help them scale audience, reach, influence. Um, and then we layer that, those capacity dollars, capacity building dollars, we layer that with technical support. So that could look like anything like, um, we have a relationship with Letterhead, which helps develop newsletter products. So um, they consult with these um, grantee partners to, to create newsletter products. Um, we leveraged our partnership with the Center for Cooperative Media in New Jersey to help um, lay the foundation for stronger and better journalism collaborations among these organizations. Um, these are the kinds of things that we do. We also help them. Um, we identify the kinds of talent and skills that they need so that they use those capacity dollars to the best, um, to most optimally in terms of hiring people with the right skill sets to come in and support uh, the, the um, organizational development that they're trying to create. So anything from hiring a digital sales manager, one of our folks just hired a digital sales manager Oh, nice. um, for the very first time, um, helping them, you know, uh, hire, identify a newsroom talent, editing talent, um, uh, reporting talent, helping them write job descriptions, um, helping them access, you know, technology that's going to, um, anything from a content marketing system, CMS to, um, um, a content management system or, um, audience development software. You know, we've worked in the past with Google, um, providing access to their Google Consumer Insights suite. So those like really, really important um, tools that you need to reach and grow audience. That's what we help them with. Um, tools and, and resources to help them um, generate new revenue. Um, we provide that kind of, that additional value add service. I was looking up uh, your website, uh, a word that I saw a lot was empathy. How important is empathy in journalism, especially community uh, journalism? Journalists often miss the story or they miss the real story. Um, I think the biggest part of our job as journalists is getting to and 
telling the truth, right? Disseminating truth. And we often miss the mark because we lack that ability to understand um, what it's like to walk in another person's shoes. We often lack, um, we're not, we're not from the, we don't have a same, the similar educational background. We're not from the same kind of class background, um, socioeconomic background. And so it's hard for us to relate to other folks, right? And so when we tell our stories, those stories are incomplete or rendered untru untruth um, or untrustworthy because it lacks that kind of empathy, that understanding of what it's like to be in to walk in somebody else's shoes, to understand the challenges they're dealing with, and also the solutions that they've had to come out come up with out of necessity. Um, we miss the, that nuance, and I, I think that's really important um, for a journalist to have in order for you to be a good journalist. Are you more positive for the future of journalism? Hmm. I'm a generally positive person anyway. I'm a realistic <laughs> person, but I, you know, I think every journalist, we're very, we are realistic, but we all secretly are optimistic, or else we wouldn't be able to do this job. Right. And so I think, you know, um, there are opportunities. There are opportunities for us to get this right by supporting news and information needs for underserved communities. Black and brown people are the rising majority in this country. In some places, they are already the majority. And so if you are not informing them, if you are not engaging those communities, if you're not engaging communities, period, then you are destined to fail. So I think investing in the kinds of outlets that we support, you know, um, that's the future because that's the future of our country. The browning of America is happening no matter how many people want to try to stop it. It's already underway. And so if you're not reaching those communities today, if you're not reaching those people today, then there, I mean, success is not in your future. It's just not. Um, that means even in terms of our democracy, you know, our democracy, we, we're at this tipping point. We're still at this tipping point. And if we don't get this right, we're in a lot of trouble. When I was researching you, I was uh, very uh, fascinated by the fellowship at Harvard and all these uh, education backgrounds. How important for the future journalism is the combination of uh, media and academics to work together to find uh you know, get rid of the status quo journalism. So research is very, very important. If you don't have the data, you cannot make change. So you need the data in order to create change. And so that's what that fellowship at Harvard was about. I conducted a study looking at what current funding, what kind of impact current funding was having on 
um, BIPOC news media in particular, and then meeting the, the information needs of BIPOC, com BIPOC communities. Um, I think they go hand in hand. Um, there's very, very little research in terms of what communities of color need in terms of news and information. Very little research. Very little research in terms of about funding and how we can have greater impact in, in journalism um, and philanthropy, journalism philanthropy. And so, you know, doing that kind of research, that kind of data mining, um, the kind of investigative journalism um, about ourselves, looking at our own in industry, I think is very, very important um, in terms of not um, replicating a system um, that doesn't work or replicating a system that we already have that, that doesn't work. What are some of the things that motivate you in general? Hmm. I think, um, you know, what gets my blood boiling or get me, gets me excited again, is just what got me excited when I was younger. And that's helping people be in the know, you know, learning things, helping them um, figure out like, helping them know what they didn't know right helping them um empowering people they you know you know we often talk about you know we talk about who are the leaders in this field or that field right. um it's really the the power lies with people when people are can are their own change and, and and so we want them to be better informed so that they when they're exercising that change or when they're trying to have an impact we want them to have the right kinds of impact and the only way they can do that is if they have the right access to the right kinds of information accurate fact fact-based information i mean we see um what's look at what's happening with twitter right now that was kind of like this public square right a discourse and dialogue happened you had access to smart people even with all the other i mean i know twitter was not perfect you know, you got disinformation on that platform. You have a lot of trolls on that platform, but you could also, you also had access to information. And that's why it was so important for the billionaires, for the, to shut, kind of shut it down, right? Because they don't want, they don't always want a level, level playing field. Um, it's not in their, it's not in the powerful's best interest, best interest for the field to be level. And so um, leveling that playing field is probably what gives me my rush. You know, that's what motivates me um, the most. Journalism, again, is to hold the power to account. I think there's this, uh, when I when I was a kid, I worked at a black newspaper called the Atlanta um, Daily World. And the publisher there would always, he had something on the wall. Um, and he always, he would always talk about this too. It's our role as journalists to um, comfort, to afflict the, to afflict the powerful and comfort. What was it? What was that? Uh, it was to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the powerful. Something like that. I have to look it up for you. But I, I've carried that with me my entire life. Like we are not supposed to give comfort to the powerful. Right. But it's those who are who have the least that, you know, information can be a comfort to. If they have access to the information, then they can they can um, help change the trajectory of their own, you know, 
their own lives, but they have to have access to that information. Information is power, in other words. And so putting that, helping to put that power in people's hands and helping them show, showing them how they can um, access the information um, can change how their lives, the, the lives that they're living. I think, again, that's what really, um, keeps me in this business and doing what I'm doing. Yeah, you have to be uh, very passionate and you definitely are. But I like what you said with Twitter. I mean, there's a lot of either nonprofits or small communities. That's the only way they can get their message out. And, right. you know, the focus may be too much on, you know, the politics or whatever. Yeah, that's the only way. Um, you have a lot of... Uh, independent community media that uses social media because one, it's free, right? Yeah. They don't have to pay for it. And more importantly, the people they're trying to reach don't have to pay for it. So they became these little gathering spots for people, these small independent media organizations to reach their their communities. I mean, their whole news, um, cottage, a whole cottage news industry that's only based on social media you know, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. I mean, they are, they solely exist on social media. Um, that's how they reach their community. They built communities and built audiences using Facebook groups or on their IG. I mean, it's, and so to have put all that power in the hands of one billionaire who then abuses it. Right. And um, it is very, very disruptive, not only to, the the users on that platform but the audiences they serve again you're absolutely right it's their only way that they get yeah. information about what's happening in their neighborhood or their community so where do you want to see the pivot fund in the next three to five years so we're growing i'm trying to grow very intentionally very you know i don't want to be a, a fast growth organization right because we want it to be lasting. Um, and so we want to have a, we want to have a great deal of impact. So I see us um probably heading to the Midwest in 2023 and you know again going to coming more of a, a national having grown our national footprint in the next three to five years. That's you know we want to um in the next five years we want we hope to have raised 30 million dollars. Um, and we hope to have um, solidified partnership with grantee partners, 37, um, I should say f about 40 grantee partners in the next three to five years. 